What's up, NBA fans? We are now on episode five, I believe, with the shelter in place. Um, you know, even though NBA action isn't happening and we're all stuck indoors, you know, Sean and I, we're we're digging up content for all of you. We're digging up things to talk about, and we're not recycling the goat debate, and we're not recycling, uh, uh, you know, some of these old tiring debates that we keep hearing on ESPN. In fact, what we are debating here is before we fired up this podcast, we were debating whether or not Sean and I were cool enough to be invited to our high school reunions because we are due for a 10-year high school reunion right now, and, and neither me or Sean have gotten an invite to one. Sean. Man, I didn't think you were going to bring that up. I, I, is, this, is this affecting you more than I thought it was? No. It's okay, man. Like High school reunions don't happen anymore. It's fine. You're not getting left out. That's what I'm going to hold on to. I'm going to say that high school reunions must not be happening because I did not get an invite to mine, and neither did Sean, and I think Sean's a cool guy. I so mean, maybe I did. <laughs> it's obviously not I'm just a not thing. telling you <laughs> to make you feel better. Or it probably came through as like a Facebook message that I'll never see. <laughs> I don't use that anymore. Yeah, it's possible. Just uh, you know, just just to give you guys an insight of some of the silly stuff we're talking about. But uh, the NBA, the NBA is in the full swing of discussions, and um, it is rumor season on how this NBA season is going to come back or if it's going to come back. I um, mean, the Ringer did a crazy cool breakdown on the group play system that they could see happening if the NBA were to adopt that, and we'll break that down for you guys. Um, Sean has some thoughts on that. I have my, some thoughts on it as well. But before we we dive into that, we have some headlines we want to go over, and one of them is, uh, you know, 2020 has been rough in terms of, like, um, passing away uh, names here in the NBA world and another one passed away here Jerry Sloan passes away May 22nd um, a great coach from Utah a longtime guy and if there's somebody who stands with the name of loyalty in the NBA this is a guy right here that whose name should should come up every time we talk about loyalty I think yeah 100% Alan I mean just going back to even his playing days back in the 70s he, he was playing um, he was drafted by the Baltimore Bullets but then he played most of his career with the Chicago Bulls, I think 11 out of those 12 years with them, and two-time All-Star, four-time All-Defensive first team, and got his number retired by them. And then, like like I think a lot of us know him for, was his uh, head coaching prowess with the Utah Jazz, coaching them to 15 consecutive playoff appearances, which yeah. that's ridiculous. I mean, obviously you have Greg Popovich now that – um, kind of makes that seem a little less significant, but it, it that's insane. Yeah, like I agree. the fact that you, yeah, like who cares? Like Spurs, whatever. Like this was an insane consecutive playoff appearance for him, and he totaled one thousand two hundred twenty-three total wins um, in all of his years as a head coach for the Utah Jazz. All of those years with the Utah Jazz, never went to another team. Even after all the disputes, we even had those talks where last week when we were talking about the two thousand eleven NBA draft, we were talking about how he had those disputes with Darren Williams, um, potentially being the reason why he ended up quitting from the head coaching job that year. And even then, he didn't he didn't go to look to another team. He actually ended up coming back to Utah as kind of like a senior advisor position, right? Uh, just loyal to the franchise. So yeah, really great guy, really amazing NBA icon, and definitely. Um, a name to remember for all NBA fans. Yeah, it's a it's a tough loss. I think I, I really respect a guy like Jerry Sloan. Uh, you know, not to compare him to Greg Popovich because I think they're two different guys in a way. But you know, one thing Jerry Sloan has really 
really rode on with this Utah Jazz is he rode through two different, two completely different eras. Uh, he had the staple guys in John Stockton and Carl Malone. But even when that team kind of fizzled away and I uh, rode, rode off into the sunset, he held on and for two, for two, three bad years and, and then built another core of, for himself of there in Utah and rode those teams to consecutive playoff appearances with Darren Williams, Carlo Boozer, uh, AK 47, Mehmet Okor mm-hmm. and those guys like yeah. completely different era in the NBA, but he still clung on and, and rode that team to success and, if he had a couple, if he was a couple years younger, I mean, we'd be talking about Jerry Sloan and Gordon Hayward potentially, and uh, and yeah. Derek Favors and some of these guys, and may- maybe now with Donovan Mitchell, it's too much to to for him it would have been too much for his age. But I think it's impressive that he was able to just ride these two different eras to success, um, and it's unfortunate that he never was really able to get that championship despite having teens positioned really well, but he was just unfortunate to run into Michael Jordan, run into <laughs> Tim Duncan, uh, and then yeah. run into Shaq and Kobe, or then run into Kobe again uh, in those later <laughs> years. So all-time great players, all-time great teams in the Western Conference, and he himself had some all-time great teams, but I think they're a bit underrated. I think his legacy is a bit underrated. I think he, we definitely need to bring up his name more more when we talk about all-time coaches in the NBA. I think the casual NBA fan doesn't really know who a Jerry Sloan is. Yeah, right. And, and a lot of that does come down to the titles, right? Mm-hmm. Like people re- remember titles and that that's something that we kind of come back to as a theme in a lot of um when we're talking about a lot of these guys. He didn't win a title, but you know what? Who cares? Like not everyone can win a title. And just because you don't doesn't mean that you are an all-time great. Right. Reggie Miller, Charles Barkley's players never won a title, but are all-time greats. The same goes for these coaches, man. I mean, to not get fired after all those years of not winning a title, it's like, I mean, obviously, you look at it, you're like, he had 15 consecutive playoff appearances. Why wasn't he fired? That happens all the time. Coaches get fired, even though they make the playoffs just because they couldn't get over the hump. Right. Uh, we saw it happen most recently, I think, with Dwayne Casey and the Toronto mm-hmm. Raptors. Winning his team in the Eastern Conference gets ousted by LeBron James is out of a job. Like, that happens way too often, even if it seems like they don't deserve it. And Jerry Sloan was just one of those guys that was always a mainstay and like you're saying, like it would have been really cool to see him coach Gordon Hayward, Donovan Mitchell, and uh, maybe if things are different with the way that 2011 team was going, maybe he still would have been coaching up to this day. Right. Uh, may- or may- maybe it was because of the health concerns he was having. I don't know. But, um, yeah, it, I- I'm glad we get to at least uh, memorialize him and honor him um, this week. Um, we've seen a lot of, lot of players, a lot of personnel around the NBA um, send their thoughts and prayers out for Jerry Sloan. Yeah, and I mean – the, the resume, some of these marks speak for themselves. And this guy ranked fourth all t- in all-time wins, ranked sixth in all-time playoff wins, which is by far the most for a coach who doesn't have a title. And obviously, he made his way into the Hall of Fame, well-deserved. These are all-time marks. I mean, talk about the top, top five coaches in NBA history. I think Jerry Sloan's name belongs up in there. Um, again, to me, my favorite thing about him is just the fact that he – he, he developed a devastating pick and roll with John Stockton and Carl Malone and then found a way to get this team consecutively times to the playoffs and then make a 
build another lead another serious team later in the 2000s with Darren Williams and Carlos Boozer in a completely different era of the NBA. You know, he's just smart coach, adaptable and figured it out. But a crazy story that I saw on Twitter from uh, Coach Nick's A Basketball Breakdown. I'm sure mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, YouTube NBA heads and Twitter heads know this guy. Uh, he's, you know, always shares some good basketball tidbits. But one that he yeah. shared was he was looking into a Jerry, into his research of making a Jerry Sloan video. Uh, and he, and he shared this cool tidbit. He was like, so Jerry Sloan had taken an Evansville head coaching job in 1977. Uh, did, wasn't really digging it. So he quit after five days. And then later that's whole, later that season, that whole team died in a tragic plane crash. And the one player that did survive from the, from the plane crash, um, who didn't travel due to injury later died in a car crash two weeks later. So what the it's hell? just a crazy little story uh, that uh, Coach Nick here put together from, from his research uh, into Jerry Sloan. Uh, not sure what to take away from it other than, <laughs> wow, life can just it's be crazy, crazy sometimes. <laughs> That's insane. The whole team died. Mm-hmm. That is unreal. Jeez. But, well, I'm really glad Jerry Sloan wasn't there, I have to say. But, yeah, that's still completely tragic. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah, Jerry Sloan was not there. Uh, fortunately for him, he came out of that uh, with no bo- with no broken bones or nothing. He w- actually found his way into the NBA and created the legacy that he will be remembered for uh, moving forward. Yeah, incredible. Incredible man. Yeah. So... Moving on from those uh, sad news, we go on to the Brooklyn Nets, who are currently right now rumored to be interested in Bradley Beal. I mean, it is the summer. It is getting closer to the summertime. So, you know, those free agent rumors are starting to come off, come up. Yeah, I don't know this. I don't even know if this is news. I kind of feel weird for even including it because (laughs) there's really no story here, right? Yeah, I, I think I think the best thing we can take from this is what how cool it would be to see Irving, Beal, and Durant on the same team, and if that team would be able to win a championship, regardless of the pieces around it. Yeah, I mean it would be a really good team, um, but I don't know how how would this happen? It would well they'd have to trade for him obviously because he did just sign that three year extension with Washington um, yeah. earlier in the year. So it would probably revolve around getting rid of Karis Levert, Spencer Dinwiddie, probably a draft pick or two is mm-hmm. what I would imagine. And then they'd have Beal and then a pretty depleted roster otherwise. But I think with that amount of star power in their top three, I don't think that they'd need it. It'd kind of be like what the Lakers were going for with LeBron, Kawhi, and AD. Yeah. Obviously, to a lesser extent. Kind of. I mean, you could compare Kevin Durant and LeBron, but like Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, way better than Kyrie and Beal. Um, so you, you would still need some supplementary pieces there, I think, if you're the Nets. But I'm all for the move. I think it would be really interesting. It would shake up the East completely. I mean, I still think the Nets shake up the East a lot with Kevin Durant coming back next year. But this would make it even more interesting. And it would make Washington just com- <laughs> They would be just donezo. Oh, they would be done for years. Unless, unless John Wall comes back and he says, <laughs> going into our next point, he says he is 110% healthy after 
tragically injuring his Achilles tendon <laughs> in his house. Just because you're quarantined doesn't mean you can't injure yourself. That is what John Wall taught us before all of this coronavirus <laughs> pandemic even started. Yeah. Oh, man. I don't even know what to think of it. This Wizards... I mean, we were doing that redraft uh, a couple episodes ago, and just looking at the Wizards franchise, it's like, this team, this franchise has just gone through some peaks and valleys, man. And mm-hmm. and not even peaks, I'd say, like, just teasing, just teasers little, of peaks. Little mounds. Yeah, yeah. little <laughs> mounds, but like... It felt like you could see that imaginary peak and it felt very real. And then it just goes, then they just get like a, a huge slap and they head back down into the valley to these deep valleys. And I feel for these, for this fan base. Um, yeah, I used to be part of it when I was in what this was my first favorite team. I don't know why. When I was in middle school, I just made a decision that I was going to like the Washington Wizards for no reason at all. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why. I just thought they were like kind of an underdog in the East, and I thought that was cool. And then they actually like had some good players, like they had Gilbert Arenas back then, like sane Gilbert Arenas. Yeah, Karan uh, Butler, Anton Jameson, they had a good team. And they just got ousted by rookie LeBron James. Yeah, I mean you they know? were so. <laughs> they were definitely the cool, hip, up and coming team, like in the mid two thousands and late two thousands with Gilbert, Antoine, and Karan Butler, like these twenty five year olds who were like really coming into their own and Gilbert looked like he was about to take Allen Iverson's spot as like the second or third best shooting guard in the league. Um, mm-hmm. If not, maybe the best shooting guard. He was looking at Kobe yeah. too. Um, and then you had Karan Butler and Anton Jameson, good supporting cast. So this was, this, this was a cool team to be behind back in those days. And now it's, <laughs> man, this is, sti- this just stinks. Like John Wall. Yeah. He's, he's healthy, but, I mean, it's. He says he's healthy. Yeah, he says he's healthy, <laughs> but this the Achilles tear, as we all know, is no joke. So it'd be interesting to see what he can come back, how he comes back, and what this Washington Wizards team really has to offer him and Bradley Beal. One note on Bradley Beal, though, in the Nets is hmm. the Nets. One of my biggest problems with this team was that contract they gave DeAndre Jordan, <laughs> and if that ends up being one of the key pieces to making this trade happen, wow. Genius you think, move. You think that the Wizards would take DeAndre Jordan's contract in that trade somehow? I have no idea, but if they do... I don't do, think that they'd want that. I don't think they would want it either, but it would be... It's one of the, it's one of the best contracts this team has to make the numbers work. And by best, I mean, like, you know, the number actually adds up. <laughs> like... Uh, I, I have a feeling if, if this were to happen, they would be losing Caris Levert. Yeah, I think it would. No, it would take like Carice Levert and a DeAndre Jordan. But I mean, it's just like I don't think Carice Levert's number makes the math work, or like a Spencer Dinwiddie. I think you would need like a DeAndre, like DeAndre (laughs) Jordan would be that. That I don't know. They might throw in some garbage (laughs) just to make it work. Yeah, who knows? Honestly, they might even just go complete bonkers and get rid of Jared Allen, (sighs) give him Jared Allen for Bradley Beal, and just be like, we have a center. You know, he's not young or up and coming, but we're going to get Bradley Beal in return. So we're willing to bite the bullet. Oh, man. If they go that way, I'll be disappointed. (laughs) I know. You're you're a big Jared Allen guy. Yeah. Jared Allen's my guy, man. (laughs) Yeah. So that'll be interesting to follow. And I'll also be interesting to see if John Wall, despite saying he's healthy, 
is he going to be in shape? Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. <laughs> that's a big one. Is this guy in shape? Is he ready to come back? Is he? Can he actually become live up to his money and you know be a top five point guard in the NBA again? I don't. Yeah. We haven't seen this guy play really ball out since like 2016. Yeah, I was gonna say it's it's been a number of years. <laughs> yeah, oh man, it's crazy. And it's crazy. Yeah, when we were doing that redraft, where it was like John Wall at that time was a clear number one, but mm-hmm. now with hindsight, twenty twenty, yeah, <laughs> like, no, we don't take him number one. Yeah, it was Paul George, right? Right, that was our number one that year, right? Yeah, I, I yeah, nine times out of ten <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So. How about we check in with some of the players here and some of the stuff going around social media? And I think one of the more popular ones was Moses Harden. You're calling him here, Sean. Yes. Have you seen this? I have seen this. I thought yes. it was <laughs> fake. I had to like look at it a couple times where I was like, man, this dude looks like, like he's just crossing. Like he's like coming out of a biblical tale or something. Yeah, no, he's coming out. He's coming down from Mount Zion, <laughs> yeah. enlightened with knowledge and wisdom, and much less weight. Yeah, what <laughs> like, what is up with this? Oh my gosh! It man, it was a perfect photo. Honestly, <laughs> like whoever got that photo, like they deserve a raise or something because <laughs> it was so funny. And yeah, he does look skinny. And you did have Austin Rivers with a statement about it, saying that. Harden's lost about 20 pounds mm-hmm. which is that a good thing or is that I don't a know bad thing? I don't know I don't know I would say maybe maybe it is a good thing this man so much is asked for from this guy in terms of like basketball offense and just just on the court like his endurance yeah. has got to be something that has to be off like breaking barriers because this guy this so much is asked for from james harden from this rockets team ball handling on the defensive end just making like nothing happens without james harden on the floor for this rockets team so this man needs endurance this man needs speed and if that means losing 20 pounds then then i want to see it i i i would be (laughs) if we get more james harden at full potential throughout the 48 minutes of a basketball game that is unreal I think he's going to have to gain back some of this weight. <laughs> the way he plays, the three-pointer, sure. You don't need the weight for that. But he either does a three or he drives. True. That's his whole game. Driving is half of his game, if not more than that. Mm-hmm. And he's going to get beat up. I don't care if it's small ball or not. Like You have 20 less pounds on you. That's 20 less pounds of resistance against getting knocked to the floor like 20 times a game like he is right so i i hope he gains this weight back because if not it, it might get ugly quick yeah might, he, might, he might be able to sustain himself long enough for just like this shortened season but i don't know it's gonna be sketchy <laughs> I, I i'm curious to see what happens but i mean with everything with what's going on right now on the twitter verse it seems like we'll get a chance for that pretty soon here when the NBA comes back. But uh, for the most for the most part, we'll just have to continue to speculate what this means for James Harden and the Houston Rockets. And speaking of the Houston Rockets, I was actually listening to the podcast with Daryl Morey on the Bill Simmons. They had him on there, and it was interesting to see his thoughts on uh, the trade that went down between the Rockets uh, and OKC to get James Harden over there, and also like his viewpoint on the current Rockets team and. It seems like he 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 is doubling down that this is 
that this his team still has a shot at, at upsetting some people and making some noise in the playoffs. This, it, playoffs is the NBA comes back this year, so maybe Moses Harden is the answer to that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense when you think about it. Like, what we were talking about during normal times with this small ball team was – Man, they just need to be able to survive. Yeah. And like and like PJ Tucker is going to be exhausted. But now he's totally fine, you know? <laughs> he's got he's got a 2-month break plus maybe a 3-month break at this point. He's going to be totally fine for this playoff run. Mm-hmm. So, I I think that this really did help them as long as Moses Harden can gain a little <laughs> bit of muscle back. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Um, but let's get through these headlines really quick before we jump into the group play system. So the New York Knicks are starting to finally search for a new head coach. Um, former Wolves coach Tom Thibodeau seems to be at the top of his list. So this is what I'm talking about, man. Like the New York Knicks should not be packing players and sending them to Orlando to play. Like this, this <laughs> franchise has absolutely no reason to play basketball until they at least get a new head coach or at least get mm-hmm. some, some legitimacy on their roster. But, is Tom Thibodeau the guy for this team? I don't. I don't know. I honestly don't really know what this this franchise needs at this point. Yeah, neither do I. I mean, no, no, like you have Mike Miller, uh, you have Kenny Atkinson, who's the former Nets coach, mm-hmm. uh, believed to be in the running. Also, none of these guys really jump off the page to me as, as someone I'm really excited about. Yeah, Mike Miller being the one that's the most unproven. Maybe he has the most potential of the group. You kind of know what you're getting with Atkinson at Thibodeau at this point. Mm-hmm. But I'm not excited about any of them. I just think the Knicks just they have so many problems and they're not going to be able to solve all of them in this off season. I, I know they've made actually made a few different acquisitions as far as the front office goes. I think I think they got some guy from Utah. Uh, I think his name is Leon Rose. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if, you're, if that name rings a bell for you, but I know they are constructing a little bit more in terms of getting a solid front office together, but like it still just comes down to Dolan for me. <laughs> like It's just never going to get better. It's, it's like Sarver on the Suns. Like, until those guys are just selling the team or ousted, I just don't see any hope for these franchises. Yeah, I think the Knicks have dug themselves in such a hole that it's going to take a couple of years to really – around something out because it's like you bring Tom Thibodeau in but then the roster is just not ready for for much I mean it's so what are you gonna expect from him? yeah exactly are you gonna give him time <laughs> yeah it you just need a couple years to really round like this rock like you know we've talked about it a lot and people have all everybody's mentioning it like the roster is just so unbalanced you don't really have a, a real ball handler you got Julius Randle as your top score as your number one scoring option then you also have RJ Barrett. Um, you don't really have much shooting. You have a bunch of power forwards, but really no yep. true center. So it's it's just a it it seems like it's tough to really set anybody up for success with that roster. Yeah, this this they're gonna need a full rebuild. Five years in the or uh, Philadelphia 76ers the process status. Yeah, to get anywhere because they're not drafting well. They're not signing free agents well. Their coaching has been abysmal. It just needs a full makeover, and it's not going to take a year. It might take five to seven years, honestly. Yeah. Of acquiring multiple number one draft picks, of luring somebody, anybody, to be the guy in New York as a, as a free agent, like to be the superstar that runs one of the best towns, one of the best cities in the United States, honestly. Yeah. 
So you have to sell it that way, but it's just so hard when Dolan's there and no one wants to work for him. Yeah, you know? exactly. Unless RJ Barrett turns into a top five NBA right. player and yeah, can that's what they have to hope for. Carry whatever you give them. But even then, yeah. man, that's a tough, that's a tough, tough franchise. But um, yeah. moving on from that, the NBA currently working on safety and medical protocols to allow training camps to begin in June with some skirmishes and regular and potential games starting to be played in late July and early August. So, I mean, it's happening. It's it's moving. It's moving forward. We don't know what it's going to look like, but it, it's, it looks like it's going to happen. And, I mean, it makes sense. Like last podcast I had mentioned, like, if there's a if you're there's no way owners the NBA or players want to leave money on the table so I think they're they're going to do what they need to do to make something happen whether that's this group play system or uh straight to playoff format or you do a 1 through 16 uh reseeding uh I think you got to make it happen Yeah I mean I'm really excited man like just just seeing headlines like that it just gives me so much hope, mm-hmm. you know, like we finally are going to see NBA at some point in the year. We're going to see closure happen with the season this year. Asterix or not, like, I don't care. I want to see it happen, yeah. you know, like just, just as a fan, I, I don't care what the circumstances are. Just seeing that where you could potentially only be two months away from the season, it doesn't seem like a long time to me, in my opinion. Like that's very welcome to me, especially when you did see the real possibility that we were going to have to go without the season completely um, earlier before yeah, in the pandemic in late March and April even. Yeah, exactly. And when you're talking about money on the table, just to give you an idea, it's like that revenue loss could be potentially up to $900 million if the NBA does not fulfill their national TV contract. <laughs> so that's $900 million. That's not even taking into account the regional NBA contracts right. that are also fed into the overall NBA revenue pot. So, you know, we're, we're talking like this, the billion dollar spectrum deal that the Lakers have, the multi-million dollar deals that the Knicks have and Miami Heat and all these other regional TV deals that also feed into the NBA pot. So we're there. There is a lot being left on the table for a year where the NBA itself was already struggling a bit with viewership being down after the the whole China thing uh, right. happened. So we, we we're the NBA wants to get something going. And I think the owners do too as well. And that's also not taking into account the fact that the, this charity golf event, you know, that happened just a couple <laughs> days ago, uh, garnered 5.8 million users, making it the, the most, the most watched golf program in cable history. Like Absurd. no, nothing consequential <laughs> whatsoever. Not much professionalism in terms of like the best golf players in the world were here, but still, just because there's this appetite uh, for sports content right now in the world, um, and that's also taking you know another crazy stat is of course like the final dance, like all eyeballs were on that, and it was also you know the highest t- rated documentary in ESPN history there. So if the NBA comes back, it's coming back to a very hungry crowd. Yeah. Like there, there's really, you can't really go wrong if you're the NBA with any way that you can come back. Like, I think the worst case scenario for a comeback is if they just had to go straight into playoffs. Mm. I think that'd be worse for the players. I think it'd be worse for the NBA. Cause obviously like you're saying, they lose out on all of that 
revenue with the they had contracts with the national and the regional sports networks and i i think the fans would lose out too because that's just less basketball um that we have to absorb and to enjoy mm-hmm. and so that's why i think i think let we should uh, actually integrate this group play system uh that we're going to get into now uh kind of talking about for the bulk of the podcast here for the rest of the time really based off of this ringer article this podcast that they had that came out um pretty much a week ago now uh written by kevin o'connor from the ringer who's i think he's a very respectable um journalist in the nba world and i really love the breakdown he did of this uh, i had to share it with you alan i think i think this is the best way we could see a return to action uh, i know we, we've seen them talk about how we're just going to go to a 16 team playoff how maybe they're just going to finish out five or six games of the regular season. That's kind of what we talked about last week, and that seemed kind of dumb. Uh, you had Damian Lillard coming <laughs> on saying, like, if you're if you're not going to give me a legitimate shot at getting the eighth seed, then I'm not going to even try. I mean, like, I'm not even going to play a game. <laughs> I I agree with him. It's why why you know spend all that time away from your family. You know, do the whole all the medical tests and checkups, fly all the way to Orlando, suit up and <laughs> get in shape just to play games where like. Yeah mathematically your your chances of sneaking into the playoffs are tiny i mean they were small already now they're like fractionals they're fractions and again like the new york knicks or the sacramento kings like (laughs) why would they suit up and play five or six more games exactly yeah see and that's that's the thing you had the blazers three games back if you have i think they had what 15 games left in the season about Mm mm-hmm that's that's a very reasonable mark to hit. You could you could definitely pass the Grizzlies with fifteen, both five, nearly impossible. Yeah, like the Grizzlies would have to go like z- one and four, zero and five, and the Blazers have to go four and one or undefeated. Like it's just it wasn't going to happen. So I think this group play system makes so much sense to me. Here's a basic breakdown for anyone that isn't aware of what it is. So basically, it follows what the World Cup format already does. Um, but for basketball-related terms, so what would happen is the top eight teams in each conference would be part of this, along with the next four best records. So that would actually be the four Western Conference teams, the Blazers, Pelicans, Kings, and Spurs. So 20 teams total would be invited to the neutral site, most likely in Disney World in Orlando. And then these 20 teams would be divided into four groups of five teams, where each team would play the others in their group two times for a total of eight games, and then the top two teams from each group that have the best records would advance to a traditional playoff-style format with the top eight teams. I think that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. So this, I mean, it, when you break it down, it's like, how do you solve the regular season not happening? You install this very new, very exciting format where it kind of resembles what the end of the regular season would look like, where you have the 20 most competitive teams, and they have to duke it out with each other in basically a do or die matchup every night mm-hmm. um to, to get these wins and you only have eight games to do it so even if you're like the bucks or the lakers i mean maybe they're a little turned off by it because they, they don't they think they should just cruise into the playoffs but they still have to play hard too um obviously they have advantage because they're a better team but you still have to play the game and everyone's going to be as hungry as everybody else uh, i think it makes for great competitive basketball in that way and you fulfill the network contracts that you have with the national and the regional networks um, to get to that revenue that you've lost. Uh, you're able to get to that kind of equivalent of a 70 game regular season or more. And then you have eight teams go into a best of seven playoff series. Yeah. I think, I think that 
is that would be epic. That'd be really cool. And it'd be something brand new and something that I think fans would really like to see. I think it's exciting. And I think if there's a time to test something like this, it's now and it's worked for the World Cup for decades. Like every single World Cup, yeah. when it gets to that point, it's so exciting. And are there upsets that happen within this group play? Yes, there are at times. So I think if there's somebody that would complain about it, you mentioned it, Sean, it would probably be the Bucks and the Lakers because they are kind of like, oh, well, now like the top seeds don't really quite mean as much. But yet at the same time, they do because, you know, the, the way the, the drawing would work is it'd be tier one teams and you get your tier two, tier three, tier four to balance out the group plays. So essentially the yeah. Bucks and the Lakers will not be, cannot land in the same group nor were the Lakers or Celtic neither were the Lakers or Clippers or the Raptors or Bucks so they would be those tier one teams so they would be quote-unquote the number one seeds on in their group play so I mean I think for fans I think it makes it a lot more exciting and for a guy like Damian Leonard and Zion of the Pelicans like it gives them a better fighting chance of potentially sneaking their way into the playoffs and what would have occurred before had you do play five or six games. I mean, anyway, even if you, even this group play, I think sounds like it gives them a better shot than had you played the last 20 games out of this season. I mean, yeah, very well might, but then you think about it, strength of schedule gets thrown out the window. Yeah. That was the Pelicans huge advantage that we saw when we were, when we were back in the regular season, we're like the Pelicans have the easiest schedule Mm -hmm. for the rest of the season. So that was the way that they were going to get back in. Yeah. But now you're only playing against the best teams in the league, no matter what group you're in. They're the tier five team. They're going to have four teams that have a better record than them, and they're going to play them all twice. So that really puts them to the test. It puts all of them to the test. And if I'm the Bucks and Lakers, it's like, well, what are you complaining about? Because if you can't beat these other teams that had a worse record than you through eight games... Like, if you can have a better record than them, then maybe you don't deserve to be in the playoffs. That's true. Because, because it's like it's like a playoff series in and of itself, mm-hmm. right? It's Yeah, it's like just have a better record than the other team. Yeah, and I, think, and I think the other interesting thing on the Pelicans' point is, sure, like they lost out on that, that weaker strength of schedule, but guess what? The, within this system, they actually get a chance to play against the Grizzlies and prove out that they get a that they can, <laughs> yeah, that's that right. they can, that they deserve that playoff spot seeing as they're going to be in two different tiers. So just play play them head on and prove that point. And, I mean, for from an NBA fan perspective, this would be all, this would be exciting. Like every night of the week you would get a pretty diverse set of teams that are competitive mm-hmm. playing against each other, playing for something. Because, I mean, sure, like the Lakers versus Pelicans, like it might seem like the balance of power would lean heavily towards the Lakers, but – I mean, the Pelicans are going to go into that game like a hungry, like a hungry dog. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> if they can beat the Lakers and take that one win, then that gives them a whole better chance of like trying to sneak into that. Because they beat the Lakers, uh, all of a sudden, you know, the Heat or like if the Heat are that second tier team, lose against this, the tier four team, the Magic. You know, things start getting a little mixed up there. Mm-hmm. Like, and all of a sudden, you you have Exciting. you can control your own destiny and not have to rely on the strength of schedule or which other teams, uh, what momentum they had going into the rest of the regular season of what was left there. So, for for a fan perspective, man, it's great. It's going to be like almost a do or die every night here. 
Right. Yeah. There's literally no disadvantage to this from a fan perspective. Mm-hmm. You're get you're maximizing the amount of inter- entertainment that you could give to a fan with the system. Yeah. And the only the only way this wouldn't happen is because the owners don't give a crap really about what fans think. I mean, they kind of care, but like they're gonna have their own priorities in mind too. I mean, if if you're an Eastern Conference team, um, like like you've mentioned here, the Eastern Conference teams are already pushed back against this group league suggestion because they'd obviously be left out of it (laughs) well you'd be left out of it anyway you know like what are you complaining about yeah like you're just mad that you suck more (laughs) like get over it and be better next year like just because you didn't make it into this system that doesn't mean it's not a good system right so yeah i i fairly think the nba should ignore any of that selfish type of (laughs) chatter that goes around in there and you're, you're, this is even more. This is twenty teams we're talking about, not sixteen. So, if anything, the Eastern Conference teams that were nine through sixteen have a better chance of even advancing into this type of group format in the future. If this is something that would be adopted past this year, we don't even know if it's something that's adopted this year. But I do think it's something that the league should try. I mean, we already saw them try out the new All Star Game format, and that was an amazing game like that was the best all-star game i've ever seen yeah and like i this just seems like the year of change you know like things are changing let's just see what happens here see if we can make a change for the better yeah and i mean if there's a time to change it it's now so it's funny yeah because when you bring it up that 20 teams would get a chance to jump into this that's two-thirds of the whole league like yeah right that's that's a good (laughs) chunk we're talking over 50 percent of the teams have a will have a legitimate chance of like being there to control their destiny, make an upset, and then get themselves into the playoffs. Because, I mean, even the seeding kind of just gets thrown out the window a little bit here after this group play. I mean, you could potentially get a favorable seeding and see yourself advancing. I mean, we saw it in the World Cup. Like, I remember a couple – I don't remember exactly which one, but the U.S. got themselves a pretty favorable seeding, and all of a sudden – they saw themselves go all the way to the second round of in the FIFA <laughs> World Cup when they were it looked like they weren't even a team that was going to get out of the group play. Um, like things like that can happen if you just time it really well. And you have a little bit of luck on your side and you end up on the right side of the bracket. So I, I don't know. There's a counter argument as well to the Eastern Conference thing. And like, yeah, they maybe have some of the weaker teams, but I would make the argument they also have some of the weaker schedules as well. <laughs> right, because they play against each other. Yeah, exactly. Like, I would I would totally take the Lakers uh, and Clippers wins over the Bucks. Like, their wins, I'd say, mean a lot more than the Bucks. Uh, right. 50, 40-whatever wins they have at this at this moment. They had six, I think they had 60. Yeah. They, they oh, yeah, they got 60. to 60 games, right. So, I mean, it's 60 wins, but still, I mean, I don't know. I still I would take the Lakers and Clippers wins any yeah. day. Um, yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, it, yeah, I guess. So here, here's something, I guess, that I think should be at least thought out a little more is how the tiers are picked. Because I know it's been, I kind of proposed that they would be chosen randomly within each of the tiers. Mm-hmm. But... Does it make sense to do that, or does it make more sense to have the tier one teams draft the in a way like draft their group? Oh, right. Starting with like the best regular season record, and then in like seceding order from there. I don't know. It, it kind of that yeah. I and I did see that Kevin Connor brought that up in his article, um, and that's his point was to kind of avoid the like the quote unquote death group. Um, 
situation mm-hmm. that sometimes has happened in the World Cup, and and it mm-hmm. kind of does play a disadvantage, I guess, to some teams. But I mean, I've seen teams have come out and out of those quote unquote death groups and made it pretty far into the FIFA World Cup. I don't know, I can't remember clearly if there was an actual winner who has come out of a death cup death group. Um, I don't know. I don't really like the idea. I like the idea of based on seedings, put these teams into tiers and then just randomly assigning which group they fall into. I, I like that idea better. I don't, I don't know. I wouldn't want to do a draft. I think, I think the simpler, more straightforward way you can do it. I think the better. So I guess the question is, will you see teams towards the top of the standings intentionally tank towards the end of the regular season to get in a lower tier Hmm. Interesting point. Are you saying that because, uh, what? I guess what? I, 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 I don't know. I'm, I kind of posing it as a question more than like, I'm not sure what the benefit is to that exactly, mm-hmm. but I feel like there would be some strategy there. It's like, well, if I want to go up against this set of teams, I want to put myself in this tier. Or if like, if I want to avoid this team, I'm going to try to get to their tier. So I don't get matched up against them in the group play. Interesting. Like say say um, I don't know. You're the Lakers and you don't want to play the Clippers in group play, right? But your record is like pretty uh, like a good few games better than theirs. Are you gonna try to tank to get to like the, where the Clippers are in the tier two, so you don't have to play them in tier two if you think that they're the biggest threat? despite their record not indicating that. I see. So that you'd be in the same tier, so you wouldn't have to match up yeah, with Yeah, so you wouldn't play against them, right. I mean, that takes a lot of complicated maneuvering in a That bit. would happen, though. You I guarantee so? that would happen, though. I f- yeah, I, I think... Yeah, but that's how these guys think. This is the highest level of play. You have to play like that. I almost wonder, like, it would be easier to just shoot to be a tier one, and that way you're not stuck with the other three out of the four high, high not tier. Not if you think that the Clippers are your biggest threat. If you think the Clippers are your biggest, threat, you'd have to yeah, you you'd have to be to pretty honed in. Them. Yeah, but then you open up the can of worms of like, what if the, there's a tier one that could potentially knock you out? Because then by trying to avoid the Clippers, you end up playing uh, the Bucks potentially in group. Well, not play. if you consider the Clippers the actual tier one team, hmm. even if their record isn't tier one. You know, it's like playing against LeBron when they were a four seed. Right. Like, do you want LeBron to be in your group as a tier two or three team? (laughs) You definitely don't want that. Yeah. And that's interesting because there was like, I think the day that the NBA finally got rid of like division champion seeding was that something like that was happening where there was there was suspicion that teams were tanking to potentially play mm. a third seed Denver Nuggets team that wasn't quite yeah, as strong. This happens. This will happen. Like if the regular season kept going as it is currently, like I could see like the Nuggets, the Rockets, and the Mavericks try to position themselves to play against the Jazz. Let the Jazz take the. You're saying let the Jazz take like the third seed, be the third best team out of the West. Or yeah, they'd all be trying to pivot towards playing against the Jazz. Like they might be intentionally resting guys certain nights uh, to lose games if they need to, or you know, like see what Utah's doing. If they're still winning, then they'd try to lose. But if Utah's winning, then they'd try to play harder. Like I think that would happen. Like similarly, like they try, like teams would try to target being in a certain tier if they thought that they would get matched up against someone they didn't want to. 
if they were higher up. They would tank. Oh, man. That just seems like too much, too much out of your control. It's too not, much. though. It's not, though. It isn't because you can you can try to align your record as close to the team that you don't want to play against as possible so that you end up in the same tier as them. I mean, let's take the Jazz. Like, So you're saying like the Jazz would be a second-tier team, so the Houston Rockets would push so that the Jazz became a Tier 2 team? So that they would avoid well, them? Well, they would just try to match whatever Utah did. Oh, I see. So they would just never... Yeah, they'd try to make sure that their record was as close to the Jazz as possible. So they wouldn't be in the same group play. So they wouldn't be in the... Yeah. Or I guess, no, in this case, you'd want to be in the Jazz's group. So you'd, you'd maybe intentionally tank if they were like a few games ahead of you. You'd make sure that you were at least a tier below them so you'd have a chance to play against them. Hmm. Because you want to be in the Jazz group. But, like, say you're the Lakers and you think the Clippers are the biggest threat and you guys are only a few games different, you might try to intentionally tank to to be a Tier 2 team if the Clippers are a Tier 2 team because you don't want to play against them. I see what you're saying. So, like, yeah, yeah. so the Clippers get a couple injuries, lose a couple games, and all of a sudden become are in the running to potentially become a Tier 2 team. So yeah, to avoid then, them... Then they just hope that the Clippers get eliminated from their group so that they go into the A-team playoff, don't, don't have to worry about them. That's interesting. <laughs> I mean, the thing, however, is... It would happen. It could happen, but the thing here, though, is, like, if, say, the Lakers and Clippers do end up in the same group, they only play each other twice, and those aren't necessarily the only game. That's two out of eight. That's 25% of your games. That's that's pretty significant. That's pretty significant, but take one, and you still, you still have a... St- strong chance of coming out of it especially if you're the t- if you think of yourselves as a, as a tier one uh and then the, so you have the a better chance of winning against the other teams right i just don't know if it's worth all that much because once you come out of the group play you're not going to be situated next to them uh in the bracket like you wouldn't play them in the first round of the playoff bracket right? yeah but you wouldn't have to play them at all if they didn't make it out of their group true <laughs> so that's that's the thing is like yeah maybe it doesn't happen like super obviously every year but i could envision a good amount of scenarios where teams would try to pivot to be in certain tiers and it might make for a really weird end to the regular season yeah i, I don't know if that's true I, that's that's kind of the scenario i would see is that like that's just kind of how it would happen i feel like there's no incentive to be tier one like you just want to be whatever tier you feel like gets you the best chance of advancing. Mm. Like the incentive to tier one, yeah, like for most of the time is probably better. But if you feel like a team maybe started out of the gate slow and is going to finish as a tier two team just because it's solely based off record, if you think that they're actually the threat, you might not want to be a tier one team. Yeah, you're giving me a lot to think about here. <laughs> I, I still want to lean that being a tier one would be your best situation that way you don't end up most playing most of the time you don't most yeah. of the time it would <laughs> and it's it's i'm trying to think of a good case study to bring up and compare to that but there really is none simply because the world cup you know isn't based off a regular season play it's based off rankings right. like the nba yeah the nba would still need a regular season mm-hmm. if this was adopted past this year like that's just it just has to happen that way like it's so much tougher to be to fool a bunch of journalists that know the game i think 
and see your team and what you have all the roster to be like there's no way <laughs> you're a tier five team like no you're you're tier right yeah so like the ranking thing um you know that's kind of like that kind of throws doesn't make this quite an apples to apples comparison um I don't know, man. I still think that's such a difficult thing to try to pivot. There's so many things that could go bad as well. Tanking is easy, man. Tanking is one of the easiest things you can do in the NBA. (laughs) Yeah, tanking is easy, but there's still the random factor of, like, who else would you be positioned with in the group as a result of you tanking? Like, like you could shoot yourself in the foot um, by taking this chance of trying to avoid (laughs) this one team, but now all of a sudden you may be stacked against two more difficult teams as a result because you you tanked a bit or who knows yeah sure like yeah since there there are five there's four groups so you really only have a 25 percent chance of playing against that tier two team you don't want to play against Mm -hmm. but what if there's multiple tier two teams you don't want to play against what if tier two is actually better than tier one like just because like regular season record just doesn't really mean that much to me like, yeah. look at the Raptors. Raptors under Dwayne Casey we brought up earlier. Best record in the league. Do you think the four-seed Cavaliers cared about that? Like, yeah. it really just comes down to playoff, like, prowess and ability. And I don't know. I feel like just because you're a one-seed doesn't really give you that advantage. Like, you look at the Warriors uh, from a few years ago who, like, they they struggled with injuries for most of the season. They they ended up with not the number one seed. I think they were the number two or the number three seed. Yeah, I mean, it happens a they, lot. They would be a tier two team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it happens. Yeah, you're right. Like, LeBron's Cavs went all the way to the NBA Finals as a fourth seed. Boston Celtics 2010 were a fourth seed. Um, what else do we have? Yeah, usually it's like, yeah, I mean, you do get a mixed bag sometimes. Yeah, it, it is interesting because... I don't know, it'd be interesting. I really do think that would happen if this were to be adopted into like a normal season. Mm. Like you, you, you can quote me on this. We, I, I hope that this <laughs> happens so that we can see this result actually come to pass. Well, because it would. I mean, I think it would. Yeah. Interesting. I don't really know what. I don't know what to say <laughs> against that. Taking at the top of the conference. Other than I, that's to my, my thought feels like there's so much going on, so much other randomness that I'm not sure if it's worth the price. But possibly, I mean, in a in a for a real team, they could see the the benefit of it. Uh, and there, you're right. Like there doesn't seem to really be a strong reward for being tier one, other than you just wanting. You really being confident that you're the better team and you won and that the other four of teams that are going to get drafted into your group are going to be weaker than yours. Um, mm-hmm. So that's why, I mean, after you bring up all those points, that's why I, I would also like to see the one through 16 playoff seeding tournament um, play out. I would also be yeah. really curious to see that format come out where you have the with just no regular season or is this just, um, separate from that entirely. So completely separate from group play. So this the com- okay. the the B alternative, plan B, I guess you could say, where the Bucks with is- no regular season games going straight into the playoffs. Uh, yeah, let's go straight to the one through sixteen. Maybe uh, we have a play in bracket or something like that. Like Mark Cuban talked about preferring that as well, where you have a sixteen team reseeded tournament, and then you have kind of like the March Madness, where you have like a little play in bracket. For the la- oh, like like the first four exactly the first four so you have a couple teams playing for the 15 and 16 seed 
Oh, um, okay. Which also kind of puts it in a weird spot because then you have a 15 and 16 team playing each other just to get swept by either the Bucks or the Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. But, I mean, that's how it is in March Madness, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think the 16 seeds won a total of one time ever, which was an epic Yes. by the go- the Golden Retrievers. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I just I don't like the notion of not playing any games before the playoffs. Oh, start. like normal. Yeah, like... Like, you, like, that's why I like the group play, because you still get to play those games before, like, the real playoffs mm-hmm. start. And that's and yeah, sure. The playoffs do look different there too because it's only eight teams versus sixteen, right? But I, yeah, I don't know. I just don't like going straight into playoff basketball with nothing but scrimmages under your belt. Yeah, and I mean that's the thing. It's like this: the world we're living in. It's like there's pros and cons to each, um, and it's going to be interesting to see which one the NBA ultimately settles on. Because yeah, I mean if you have like that reseeded tournament uh, bracket where like. Uh, based off season records, you have Bucks number one, Lakers number two. You don't get a Lakers versus Clippers playoff series, at least not into the at least not into the <laughs> final. At least the one that's been thrown around. If you lay it out based off record, um, and then you get you get some weird matchups where like the Lakers play against the Nets, but then do the Nets actually like have Kyrie and Durant in no. there? Um, <laughs> I don't know. And then do you still continue going through seven game series or what happens there? Like, does that mean people get, does that mean then you open up the paradox the, or the a Pandora's box where it's like, is that good? Do people, are people going to care enough to even tune into those games? Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's like, there is a lot of like debate. I like the group stage idea. I also like the playoff format. I think it's just like an exciting moment here where, to see where the NBA goes uh, in terms of like, either testing either testing one of these two or just going straight to like maybe exhibition games and the normal western conference versus eastern conference playoff format yeah that would be interesting i i still think with the the one through 16 reseeding based off record you still have the problem of like there's just some boring first round yeah and that's that's gonna be that's the big one it's like how many people actually want to see the Lakers play the Nets over the course of potentially? I mean, Lakers fans want to see. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Yeah, that's true. But like, you'll you'll have other ones that are like, what I don't know, Pacers versus Jazz. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to see that. Like, uh, Grizzlies versus Nuggets. Oh, like none of that sounds very interesting to me. <laughs> yeah, and then who? Many people would yeah. actually care enough to watch that first four uh, playoff bracket. You know, to play to be the 15th or 16th. Yeah, seed. I guess. Yeah, it's like kind of cool because it's like a, a winner go home type of environment, which is always fun. Um, I mean, obviously, as a diehard NBA fan, I'd watch it and you'd watch it, but I, I don't think viewership would be as good unless it like if the stakes were higher and the competition was better and they were going up like more teams were going up against each other that were actually have a shot at the championship. Uh, it, it's tough, but. Honestly, yeah, whatever they choose, I, I do hope that they do try out this group format just for the sake of change and for the sake of just seeing what would happen mm-hmm. because this year is just so crazy anyway. Uh, but whatever happens, I, I do get really excited just talking about any of these scenarios and seeing the NBA come to action and maybe we see things really start to take form in like a month from now. Yeah, exactly. And 
I actually thought the group stage was starting to become a good idea, Sean. And then you brought up your tanking point, and now I'm questioning to doubt everything. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm doubting everything. I was about ready to be like, you know what? Let's do it. Give me the phone. I'm calling Adam Silver now, and we're doing the group (laughs) stage. (laughs) Now I'm doubting the whole thing. I, I, that's what I'm here for, man. Yeah. I'm here to be devil's advocate. I, it just it just came to my mind. I'm like, man, ever like people always try to game this. No, system, they do. Right? You're right. And- like, there's no there's no perfect system. You, you see it even with the way things are right now. <laughs> you know, like teams try to tr- play against other teams. That's just how it is. But uh, you can't. For what you can control, I think the group stage is like that's really the only flaw. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it. I still think it. It. Even though it would happen, it wouldn't take away from the entertainment value of it. Yeah, exactly. Um, regardless of which option the NBA chooses to go, though, there is a man by the name of Ennis Cancer who has, this during this quarantine season, has solidified his next career path. And that's a career path for him as a WWE wrestler. So he was on a podcast wow. with Shams. Uh, and he told the reporter that the WWE has apparently offered him a deal that offered him a deal to join the WWE as a per, as a professional wrestler once whenever he is ready to join. And he says he will definitely join the WWE. So now the question is, what exactly would be Ennis Cantor's character in professional entertainment wrestling? Like like a nickname, yeah, for him. nickname character. You know, these guys all have like personalities I mean, to them. I don't want to get cheesy here, but I mean, he's from Turkey, <laughs> so I'm gonna go with the Turk, the Turkish delight. Yeah, I like <laughs> it. He's also got like a he's got a Mario vibe to him too. So I don't uh, <laughs> mind seeing him in like some like Mario super character or something. But uh, Ennis Cantor, what a Falling silly in the guy! Footsteps of Dennis Rodman, huh? What? following in the footsteps of Dennis Rodman. Yeah, you got to diversify your skill set and uh, Ennis Cantor is doing that. He's got his eyes set. Most NBA players talk about being bored after retirement. This guy's already thinking ahead. Yeah. He's set, man. It's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Happy for him. Yeah, exactly. Well, we look forward to the day we see Ennis Cantor uh, wrestling it off and hitting some dudes with chairs and getting hit on tables or wh- or whatnot, but for now, thanks everybody for tuning into the podcast and we'll be back with with you guys next week with some more NBA content. Yes, sir. Have a good week, everybody.